I wound up in the ER. I watched the Daytona 500. MLB's rules still stink. And I will give you my take on the Don Lemon kerfuffle. Yes, all this and more on this week's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 224 of the Random Thoughts podcast. You can spell that R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And yeah, there was no show last week. I wound up in the ER on Tuesday because of a heart issue. I've talked about this a little bit. We thought we were going into AFib, having an irregular heartbeat. And once again, had a little bit of a spell that started on Saturday night. Usually they take a day or two and then kind of go away. By Tuesday morning, still going on. And this is mainly being brought up, one, to explain why I was not here for a show last week, but also to discuss a little bit how much and how smart these smart devices are like the Apple Watch, which I will sing the praises of the Apple Watch for being able to give you information about what's going on. They do amazing things by being able to detect irregularities in your heart rhythm. Does a really good job being able to keep you up to date with your O2 level. And with COVID, that was very important. With any really virus born type illness. It's important to know if somebody's oxygen level is dropping off a cliff, you want to know about it. And they sell those little things you can put on your finger. And they'll also give you a basic idea of what your heart rate is and the rhythm. You can watch it on the little screen and those things are pretty cheap, but most people don't have one of those. And if you do, you don't really check all the time unless you're feeling bad and if you're feeling bad well it may already be too late when it comes to some of these things so the apple watch can monitor your oxygen level they can monitor your heart rate fairly easily it can monitor the irregularities in the heartbeat which is where this comes in for me though in the fact that the smart watches aren't so smart they don't necessarily know the difference between some things. And it's nice to be able to get that warning. But I was reading on the watch, which was like, oh no, it's showing signs of atrial fibrillation. And I was getting that Saturday night, Sunday, Monday. I'm like, okay, we're getting through our 48 hours. When Tuesday morning, Valentine's Day rolled around, still getting those kinds of readings on the watch. And I'm like, well, I know that when I had AFib after having gallbladder surgery, and that was mainly because I was extremely dehydrated. We all know what happens when you have surgery. Ah, don't eat for X amount of hours. Don't drink for X amount of hours. They want you pretty much clear. So when you go in for surgery, I came out and don't have a good time with a lot of the anesthesia 
So I came out and was just puking, having a lot of fun and was doing so, so much where at one of the points I actually felt the heart going out of rhythm while the nurses were trying to wheel me out of the hospital saying, no, no, you'll be fine. And I'm like, no, no, I, I don't think so. My wife was already out going to get the car. They brought me back to the room. The anesthesiologist came in. He's like, yeah, we're going to get you an EKG. And I ended up spending the night in the hospital where they gave me a medication intravenously to reset the heart. There's various ways the heart can be reset when you have a fib going on to bring you back into a sinus rhythm. They can do it with drugs and they can also do it by giving you an electric shock to get the heart back into the proper rhythm. But I'm reading the watch and I'm thinking, well, I've got a fib. So I'm like, I guess it's about time to go in because otherwise I would adjust if it was a normal heart issue, the normal thing. If you don't think you're in peril of bucketing it out, you call your cardiologist and you're like, can I come in? Can you check this out? But I was under the impression that what I really needed was a reset. And there was even a point where the cardiologist gave me a little pill in the pocket prescription for a drug that would try to reset it as well. So I'm like, well, what I probably need is just to go in and get it reset. And I'll be good as new. And the good parts and bad parts of going into the ER. I mean, one, I can only imagine the, the bill that will come in. A poor podcaster, uh, fortunately, have good insurance because my wife has a real job. Now, without that, I don't even want to know what the cost would be. And I don't know what the cost is quite yet. So there's that for going into the ER, but I'm like, okay, it needs to be done. I go in and I will say our local hospital, absolutely fantastic. They get top ratings and I follow these things because I'm a nerd, but they're some of the top. It is one of the top rated hospitals in Illinois. There've been a lot of good hospitals in the Chicago area. There are some that used to be great that are falling off, but this one gets pretty good grades so we walk in a little after eight in the morning on tuesday go to the front desk they're like well yeah just go over there to check in walked over to the desk to check in they're like what's going on they asked for my name and birth date since i have been in that hospital before and my cardiologist is based out of that hospital beyond just giving my name and birth date that's all they really wanted at that point didn't go like well we need your insurance card or we need to see your id and we need to get you checked in no within like three minutes of walking in the door they had me in a room and were hooking up the wires to get an ekg done and when they did the ekg they're like well you're in sinus rhythm but you're having a lot of extra beats so they did some x-rays got me into a room and monitored what was going on, gave me something to slow the heart rate a little bit. And the end result was you're not an AFib kid. Kid, wouldn't that be nice? But it is a condition that is called PACs, which stands for premature atrial contractions. There's also PVCs, which are premature ventricular contractions both very similar they are extra heartbeats that are thrown in and if you were watching the little thing go up and down 
when doing an EKG or ECG, it would show the heartbeat rather than having a time off for rest before the next heartbeat. It was just going beep, 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 beep. And then there'd be a little off and then beep, 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 beep. And this was kind of going on and on and on. So there were a lot of extra beats going on, but the heart was not fibrillating. It was beating well. So this did not carry the dangerous part of atrial fibrillation, which is the fact that stroke possibilities go way up. If the heart is not emptying correctly, blood clots will form in the heart, then be thrown out into the body, which cause all sorts of bad things. That was not happening, which is good. But the arrhythmia, of course, also not a good thing. And after four hours or so, they just gave me the same drugs that I was already on, just a little bit more to slow the heart rate down a little bit, said follow up with the cardiologist. So I went home, called the cardiologist at about noon, was like, hey, well, they want me to do a follow-up visit. They talked to uh, the ER doctor, talked to the cardiologist when I was in there, and they're like, I'll come in in two hours which I thought was also great to get an immediate follow-up. And while there are always things that can be done, alcohol seems to be the biggest thing. Like, do you drink? I'm like, no, maybe I should. Maybe I should drink. Maybe that would be the fix to this. I don't know. But I don't do the drinking. Don't do the smoking. Don't do any illegal recreational type drugs. I'm pretty much uh, boring when it comes to all of those factors. Do have a little bit of high blood pressure. I can definitely afford to lose a few pounds. But the cardiologist said, you know, this may just be where you're at. He's like, I would like to blame. You know, you can lose a little bit of weight, and that's always going to help. But being six foot six, over 50, being a guy, I guess all of these things are factors when it comes to the heart arrhythmias. He's like, a lot of people don't even notice when they're having this condition, which I don't understand. Because I feel each and every stray beat, which may be the problem. If you didn't notice it was going on, it wouldn't kick in the stress. It wouldn't kick in the keeping you up at night, breaking up the sleep patterns, which is also bad. It's great, really, when you read the things that will exacerbate this condition. One of them being stress. And it's like, well, the minute I feel it. Of course, I'm going to be stressed because I feel it and go like, hey, what's going on here? Feels like my heart's going to blow right through my chest. And the other is, well, get plenty of sleep. It's like, well, how can I sleep? Because I can feel this thing going on. It would be very hard to get a great night's sleep when this was going on in my chest. Maybe you're different. Maybe you could just block it out and be like, hey, the doctor said this is benign. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Which, of course, my buddy, who goes by the name Harry Hamster, which is a great name to go by, was like, go to the hospital, dude. What they're not going to tell you is uh, if you have the grabber at home, it's not going to help. So go in, get it checked out. So I that was really the last push for me by Tuesday morning was, okay, I better go get this checked out. And the end result is feeling a lot better today, though I'm on a drug that I would probably rather not be on. Because, again, if you want to talk about stress, reading about this drug, although, again, I do trust the cardiologist that I am with, came highly recommended from another doctor that I had gone to for the gallbladder surgery. Because the 
drug that I'm on now to keep the heart rhythm in check is not one to be trifled with, though the cardiologist assured me being a big guy, being on the smallest dose of this, there was nothing to worry about. And I did feel a lot better. There's a few things the internet is good for. And one was finding a forum of people that have been talking about their experiences with certain drugs. Now, of course, you're always going to get some horror stories. But there were a lot of people who were singing the praises of this drug that they had been on it for five, ten years plus. And it actually did wonders for them being able to live a normal life because, again, it took care of the heart rhythm issue. So one step at a time, we'll be dealing with that. But I am feeling a lot better. Thanks to everybody. I mean, it was humbling, especially over on No Agenda Social. For those who don't use No Agenda Social, it's like Twitter. But for relatively sane people, and it's a much smaller community of people using that, and just the amount of love and messages and people saying, hey, get better, hope everything's going well, that was really nice. I mean, it was really nice to know that people care and we're paying attention. We're like, Hey, where were you the other day? Didn't give a show because I missed a few shows. And my buddy, Larry Blydner of that Larry show going above and beyond the call, checking in, making sure everything's good. And I mean, that's nice. It's nice to know that people care and it's really cool. This is a nice little show I do here for just a few people. The audience isn't big, but I appreciate you listening and I hope to be around to do the show for a nice long time health issues are never fun i've also heard from a few other people who have had similar things including our buddy sir chris who has gone through the atrial fibrillation and is on a different really dangerous horrible sounding if you read the explanations of the side effects and all that of another drug that is for keeping heart rhythm in check so it's no fun getting old but it sure beats the heck out of the alternative but Beyond that, I watched the Daytona 500 yesterday. Excited that racing's back. It's going to be the first year since 2003, I believe, that I'm going to attempt to watch the full racing season because I just got really tired of baseball, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I watched the Daytona 500, and I will say, one of the reasons I left Watching NASCAR was because all of the rule changes, something Major League Baseball is doing now, and that's why I'm moving away from Major League Baseball. But going back to NASCAR, it's like, well, the rules have been changed long enough. They got through a lot of the issues. They figured out what worked, what didn't work. I still find a lot of it to be very artificial. The whole concept of rather than going out and running a 400 or 500 mile race, whatever it is. Now, NASCAR, rather than just going and running those miles, we have to break it up into three segments. There's a first segment, there's a second segment, and then the final one. And you'll get points for finishing all of these segments towards the front. And I kind of understand what they're trying to do, because otherwise, for even if it's a 300-mile race, everybody just kind of keeps to themselves for as long as they can. And you really only need to race at the end. So giving some incentive throughout the event to give people some points for running up front. 
I get it. What doesn't work is the way they finish races. This was the longest, believe it or not, Daytona 500 in the history of the sport. It went 530 miles, I believe. Which means they went into overtime and overtime for the 500-mile race. One, to me, doesn't make sense in the first place. But two, the way they do overtime is absolutely moronic, does nothing but cause a wreck fest, and that totally ruins the product. That ruins the whole day. That ruins everything about the sport. It ruins everything about competition because the drivers will be the first to tell you, as many have echoed, this is just about luck at this race. It's not really about skill. It's their Super Bowl, but it's not about the best driver, which is why one of the best drivers ever to live, Dale Earnhardt, senior only won one Daytona 500 and that was 20 years in because it really is a race that's more about now especially with the way they do the endings more about luck than skill and the way they do the overtime is if they don't finish under green they'll go until they can by doing a green white checker which is a basically a two-lap shootout And if they can't get through that first lap without wrecking, and there's plenty of time to wreck in a a two-and-a-half-mile speedway, if they don't get through that first lap, they keep doing it. So it's wreck after wreck after wreck. And then once they get to that almost the last lap, if they take the white flag, the final lap, well, then if there's a wreck, they end under caution anyway, which you're ending under caution anyway, so why not just end under caution? It would make a lot more sense. You don't need to extend these races. But I'm glad there's only two such tracks like that on the schedule each and every year. And the Daytona 500 is really more just about the pageantry. Everybody shows up, all the celebrities who nobody cares about. And the end result was just kind of a joke. I doubt they're ever going to fix it. So it's just understanding what it is. But the rules when it comes to baseball, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, I got out of this watching baseball at the right time because there are new rules each and every year. Now, this is something baseball has been around for a long time. You may have heard of it. It was called the America's pastime for a long, long time. Now, what you have is a shell of itself because the current leadership, Rob Manfred, is a moron, has no idea what he's doing. And there will once again be some rule changes for 2023. This being explained down on the Dodger Blue site, there will be a pitch timer, which says, quote, a pitcher must begin his motion before the expiration of a 15-second timer or 20 seconds if there's at least one runner on base. There will also be a 30-second clock for pitchers between batters. Pitchers will be permitted to step off the rubber twice per plate appearance without penalty, which resets the clock. Any more will be treated as a balk unless an out is recorded on a runner. Furthermore, the pitch clock resets if the base runner advances. Additionally, a hitter must be in the batter's box with at least eight seconds remaining, and they will receive one timeout per plate appearance. I mean, there's nothing that's fun about the rules. And what they're trying to do is lessen the overall time of the games. You know how you could do that? Get rid of the advertising between innings. Get rid of the commercial breaks, you morons. That's what you do. 
if you really need to have the ads, then let the announcers just sneak them in. Do an ad read when you get in. They're also getting rid of the shift, which again is now telling how you can defend somebody, which doesn't make sense to me, but okay. They're making the bases larger. Yes, the standard 15-inch base will now be 18 inches square instead of 15 inches square. The overall reason being given, of course, is, well, for player safety because it's so dangerous when players get their hands stepped on, all this other kind of stuff, or their ankles stepped on. But the reality is it is also going to reduce by a matter of inches, mind you, but it's going to reduce the amount of space between the bags. So between first and second, second and third, which means it's also going to be slightly easier for runners to steal bases. Everything they're doing is trying to increase offense artificially. Yes, artificially is the word I'm looking for. They're trying to increase offense artificially because there's a lot of guys. It was always very close getting down to second base, trying to steal. Now it's going to be a little bit easier because one, the bases are larger, which also means then the amount of space you have to move between the two bases is less. And the pitcher now can only step off and throw to first a certain amount of times, which also is going to make it easier for the runners to get a bigger jump. It is all moronic when it comes down to it. None of the rules, though, more moronic than keeping the COVID rule, which was if you go into extra innings, then each inning will start with a runner on second base and nobody out because we really want to get the games over no matter what, which I mean, why play them in the first place? I don't really understand that, Major League Baseball. Why play them in the first place? If you get to extra innings, which not every game does, obviously, but if you do, it's like, well, no, no, we got to get this game over. It ruins the whole vibe of the game. It ruins very much like the NASCAR, the way they ended under the green, white checker. If they can't get a green flag, this is exactly the same problem. Major League Baseball's problem is, oh my goodness, we got to get this game over really quick. And NASCAR goes the exact opposite, which is we're going to just keep extending this and causing guys to wreck. Neither one is a good idea, but for whatever reason, both of these sports are clinging to the way they do these endings. And I don't understand the concept with Major League Baseball. One of the beauties of baseball that I liked when watching back in the day was that it was a different game. There was no set schedule. Meaning I was at ball games, as I know I've mentioned here before, Mark Burley pitching, especially I've been at ball games that went 90 minutes. Also been at ball games that went five or six hours. That's part of the beauty of it. When you try to artificially increase the offense enough to go with the concept that you want shorter games, I don't really know how that always works. I would think more offense than would also be increasing the time of the game, but they also say they want shorter games. And it really doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. There's also restrictions on who can pitch, which I think is hilarious. Meaning if you're a position player, you can only take the mound. Now, if a game is an extra innings and your team is trailing by at least eight runs at any point, or if your team is winning by at least 10 runs in the ninth inning, I don't know. 
it's all very confusing, which just makes me even less likely to be interested in what's going on with Major League Baseball. The Daytona 500 ending under massive amounts of carnage where a random small team driver wins and everybody applauds. And I don't have anything against the guy that won Ricky Stenhouse Jr., but he is a low funded team, an individual team, no teammates. So you want to point it out as like a Davy and Goliath thing, but it all comes down to just being able to stay out of all the wrecks, just getting lucky, somehow being in the position to where your car doesn't get destroyed before the end. And to me, that isn't all that exciting. I would actually rather that the best driver wins with the best car. I don't care about finishing under yellow or not, especially again, it's a 500 mile race. When the caution came out, it was on lap 198, which is why Kyle Bush pointed out if this was the Dale Earnhardt rules back when Dale Earnhardt won his same thing happened. The final lap run under caution and Earnhardt won, but that's not the way they do it now. So what you got was an absolute crap show. And speaking of crap shows, let's talk about Don Lemon, which this is an interesting story to me because I'm probably going to have a different take than you think. And that is because what Don Lemon said was not sexist, even though everybody in the media is trying to push that it is. I mean, that's people on both sides, which is very interesting as well. But this is a reason why I can no longer look and read or consume Fox News and believe that there's any truth to anything they're saying. The same thing goes for Breitbart. Can't believe anything they're saying. I mean, I already didn't believe CNN. I already didn't believe MSNBC. But this all came down to a comment that Don Lemon made. And unfortunately, he's doing a show with two women. But they covered a clip of Nikki Haley talking about how we don't want the old over the hill politicians continuing to get these jobs. She was advocating for term limits and said, including this is quoting directly from a tweet of hers. America is not past its prime. Our politicians are past theirs. That opened the door. Nikki Haley said our politicians are past their primes her words she's the one that came up with this past their prime bit and don lemon as much as i don't like don lemon overall said well she should be careful what words she uses echoing the great rush limbaugh who always used to say words mean things don lemon said she should be careful because technically she's past her prime and this set off a firestorm from both sides, which has just been disgusting. Here's how it was covered on Breitbart by Paul Boys on uh, February 20th, an article that starts, quote, Don Lemon has reportedly been benched from Monday's broadcast of CNN this morning in the wake of his inarguably sexist comment last week, end quote. I will argue with you all day long, Paul Boys. And everybody else that's making this case that it was a sexist comment. There was nothing about sex involved. Nikki Haley said, we don't want politicians who are past their prime. 
And Don Lemon, absolutely right when he said Google it. So I did. And all of the research that I could find said from people, you know, in the science, in the know, people that are allegedly good at their jobs that have been covered over and over again will tell you that women are in their prime up until the age of 45 or maybe 50 years old at the high end. Beyond that, they're past their prime. But, you know, when men, they're also in their prime around the same ages. So I don't understand how this is sexist at all. I covered this a little bit on the show I did last week on Friday with my buddy Gene Nevtudliev. We're both guys in our early 50s. The show is called Unrelenting. And my question for him was just, well, do you think you're in your prime right now? And he's like, no. I mean, I know I'm not in my prime. I just told you I was in the ER with a heart issue. I know that I am not in my prime. So Don Lemon, who's older than Nikki Haley, saying that she should be careful using the word because she's technically outside of the age range considered to be the prime ages. Well, that is absolutely true, and it has nothing to do with sexism. It is absolutely hilarious when you have Breitbart and Fox News and everybody else going after him for that, saying it's a sexist comment. No, it isn't. He's saying the truth. He's pointing out something that is absolutely true. And I am tired of people pointing out things that are true. You know, things like, well, there are vaccine side effects that, you know, maybe global warming isn't happening because of, you know, cow farts. Well, all of these things people fight against, but if it's Don Lemon because Don Lemon's a jerk, well, then we can go after him. The exact quote from Don Lemon is this, quote, this whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think it's the wrong road to go down. She, meaning Nikki Haley, says people, you know, politicians are something if not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry, a woman is considered to be in her prime in 20s and 30s and maybe 40s, Lemon said. And he's absolutely right. He's absolutely correct. But of course, he did the idiotic thing and he apologized because apologizing to these people just makes it worse. Although maybe he wasn't going to keep his job otherwise. You know, he told people to go Google it. And if you Googled it, you'd see exactly what he was saying was true. But his apology came with, quote, the reference I made to a woman's prime this morning was inartful and irrelevant. No, it wasn't, dude. That was completely relevant because you were commenting is what you're paid to do on something a politician said that was 100% true, but because people didn't like it, oh my goodness, then it must be sexist because we didn't like what he said. He says he regrets the comment saying, quote, a woman's age doesn't define her either personally or professionally. I have countless women in my life who prove that every day, end quote. But that wasn't the point. You were commenting on the fact that Nikki Haley, who just happens to be a woman, said we... We have a bunch of politicians who are past their prime. Well, she didn't define what prime meant. This is the issue. And Don Lemon just pointed out, well, not really in her prime either. So if a 60-year-old guy said the same thing and Don Lemon would have commented, nobody would have cared. This is all just another distraction. And there's a lot of people falling for it. I see a lot of otherwise rational people. I think because they don't like Don Lemon, where I don't either. But in this case, he didn't say anything wrong, which the CEO of CNN said this. Chris Litch said, quote, his remarks were upsetting, 
unacceptable and unfair to his co-hosts. How? Just because he works with women? Oh, my God, you people are morons. Absolute morons. How is it upsetting? He's pointing out that this woman has brought up a whole new thing with, well, we don't want politicians who are past their prime. Well, what is past their prime, Nikki Haley? According to the world, you're past your prime. I'm past my prime. You know what a great example of this is? Tom Brady. How old is the guy? 45 or something? And he's past his prime. There's no question about it. Past his prime. 45. That's why he's retiring from that job. Because what you're saying is you want politicians. I believe what Nikki Haley was saying was you want politicians who are mentally able to do the job, but she didn't say mentally past their prime. What does this mean? How do you define this as well? You're going to have a test. This is the problem with this whole statement was saying, well, we don't want politicians who are past their prime. Well, by all science that we have right now, people are all, doesn't matter what sex you are, pretty much you're getting past your prime 50 and above. I fully agree with that. Doesn't mean you can't do the job. Doesn't mean you're not mentally stable. But there are also people, Nikki Haley at 70, 80 years old. Donald Trump appears to be 100% there mentally. Joe Biden doesn't. So how are you going to define what past their prime means? Because it seems like you say that you mean age. You should just say we don't want people who don't have the ability to do the job. Because they just had a, what, somebody with dementia at like 19 years old, like the earliest case ever, in which obviously would probably be somebody you wouldn't want in politics, physically, otherwise, probably in their prime. But no, this is the issue when you have idiot politicians, and I include Nikki Haley in that as an idiot politician saying something that has no set definitions. Like, oh, past their prime. Well, there is kind of a set definition because science and doctors all will tell you, you know, if you're 50 and above, you're past your prime. You're no longer in your prime. Doesn't mean you can't do the job. It doesn't mean that you passed your prime. Tom Brady today could still kick a lot of 19-year-old quarterbacks' asses, even though he's technically past his prime. This is the issue. You aren't looking at individuals. You aren't looking at their abilities. You're just throwing some kind of BS label on it. But Breitbart, the latest one from article from John Nolte on February 17th, disgrace Don Lemon is melting down and it's glorious. Don Lemon is in the middle of a career meltdown and I hope all decent people are taking the time to stop and enjoy it, end quote. John Nolte, you're an ass. I don't care who the person is, this whole like, oh, let's take the time to enjoy somebody else's career melting down. That kind of makes you a jerk. I don't know other any other way to go about that. If you're taking a glorious lap around and what you're doing is uh, exactly what most people uh, claim the other side does. But this going down again to this statement. This John Nolte moron at Breitbart writes literally this, quote, and then on Thursday, dash, LOL, dash, 
Don Lemon said women over 40 aren't in their prime, end quote. Oh, my God, you're writing an LOL until a news story? Oh, I should really believe you, John Nolte. You seem like a great journalist who is worthy of the title of journalist. No, this is why I cannot trust anything from Breitbart at this point. They allow their morons to put LOL into an article. And women over 40 aren't in their prime. I hate to tell you, neither are men over 40 in their prime. He continued with, quote, he said that on the air, exclamation mark. He said that in front of two women, exclamation mark. That is meltdown behavior. No, no, it's not, John Nolte. Uh, You're just showing, and this, again, I, this is why the media, is not to be trusted. This is why we're living in a society where saying anything will be used against you. No matter how intelligent the statement is, no matter how factual the statement is, I'm sorry, nobody over the age of 50 is going to be considered in their prime anymore. Doesn't mean that they can't do the job, but saying that a woman's not in her prime, a man saying that is not sexist. It is not sexist. It's unbelievable that this is where the news media and so many people jump to. Patricia Heaton. I like Patricia Heaton. One of the rare conservatives in Hollywood. Oh, let's start a hashtag. Oh, yeah. I love when people start hashtags on Twitter because that's going to do anything. Showing all of the accomplishments she's made and other women have made once they were past their prime. And it's like, but that's not the point. The point was somebody said that she didn't want her politicians. Nikki Haley said, we don't want politicians past their prime. So she's the one that fault here. But everybody's going after Don Lemon because they're too stupid to understand that words mean things. And I think we need as a society to get back to understanding that words mean things and that just because a man says something about a woman doesn't make it sexist. Just because somebody says something about a trans does not make them transphobic. That somebody saying something about a gay person does not make them homophobic. That we have to take things on an individual basis and understand again what it means when words are uttered. Dick Van Dyke, 97 years old, I guess, was just on The Masked Singer. And he seems like he's still mentally there. So he's way past his prime. There's no question about it, but he's still mentally sharp. So Nikki Haley made the mistake here in her choice of words saying we don't want politicians who are past their prime. What she was saying is we don't want politicians, I believe, in the office who are unable to do the job that they were elected to do. But there's no number on that. Everybody is different. And when you say past their prime, well, what does that mean? That means you're putting everybody into the same category. And Nikki Haley was the one that seems to want to put an age range or limit on when people should be in office. And Don Lemon, as much as I don't like the guy, was not wrong, was absolutely 100% right. And it probably is going to torpedo his career because he did the worst thing ever, and that is to apologize for it, rather than just to dig his heels in and say, hey, look, fire me if you want to. But I was making a simple statement that I can back up factually. 
but he didn't because the woke mob's going to get you. So while I never saw it coming, I'm backing Don Lemon on this one. And I think you should too, because your right to be able to say factual things is at risk here. The ability to actually have freedom of speech is at risk if we keep allowing people, the woke mob, to cancel people for saying things that are 100% rational and accurate. Hey, I don't want people to be canceled for saying the absolute wrong thing either. This is Freedom of Speech 101, kids. You either have it or you don't. I do want to thank you for hanging out with me for another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. It is a value-for-value podcast, which means I put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to decide if you've gotten any value out of them whatsoever, and if you have, you can get some value back to us by going to our website, randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. Click the donate button for a one-time or monthly donation. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. You can use the P.O. box address if you want to go the snail mail route. If you're on Patreon, you can just type in patreon.com slash random thoughts. And if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, which you can find out more about at newpodcastapps.com, you can boost, boostagram all the fun stuff to help support the show. I do have two people to thank for today's show. First and foremost, our buddy Billy Bones of A Walk Through the Mind podcast, who came in with 3483, which I believe is after the PayPal fees, a 3333 donation. Which, if you're a No Agenda fan, you know what that's all about. If not, you should probably check out the No Agenda podcast as well. He said, I don't have to read this, but he said, chipping in on your bills. Good vibes to you, sir. Well, thank you, Billy Bones. Yes, because I have a root canal on Wednesday of this week, too. So, getting the medical bills. You want to know why? Because I'm 52 and I am definitely past my prime, Nikki Haley. Totally past my prime. But thank you, Billy Bones. It is very much appreciated. And everybody should check out his show. There are very few shows that are out there that are solo podcasters just doing their thing like this show here. Larry Blindner's That Larry Show. Billy Bones does his. It's called A Walk Through the Mind. He's a little younger than Larry, a little younger than me, and he does a really good show. So check that out again. A Walk Through the Mind. Just punch it right into your podcast player. And Anonymous coming in with a check for $25 says, keep up the good work. That is appreciated. We soldier through. Most of the time, no matter what's going on. And I hope that you found something in this show worthy of value. I hope the fact that I didn't just pile on to poor Don Lemon made you think, because again, if this was happening to you or somebody you know, Don Lemon has done a lot of things that he probably deserves to be smacked down for. This isn't one of them. So I hope it uh, brings a different perspective, which is what I tried to do here on the Random Thoughts podcast. So if you like what you're hearing, Support the show, tell a friend, leave a review. All those things help this little show grow. But I appreciate you for giving me your time. I know there's a lot of things you can be listening to doing at this particular point. So I appreciate your time. And I will be back again soon with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 